Uh, you know, but as, as a parent, it is hard. Uh, there's going to be those moments as a parent when Tatum's going to be crying, she's going to want something, and you guys are going to have to say, no. Parents, you've all been there, right? You have to say, no, you can't, and the, and the child keeps crying. And, and maybe it's not just your children. It might be some of you as adults, you've wanted something, and you're like frustrated and crying and upset, and, and it's, you know, things are going on. Maybe you didn't get your way. Maybe you didn't, something didn't go the way you wanted to. Maybe your team lost. Maybe you didn't get in. Maybe, maybe you didn't receive a certain award. Maybe you didn't get the promotion. Whatever it is, something didn't go your way. And you're just like, oh, and he's like, it just starts coming over you. And, and somebody looks at you, and what do they do? They're like, hey, come on, stop crying. Stop crying. Come on. Turn that frown upside down. It's like, I don't know who came up with that one. But you know what I'm saying? It's like we try to pep talk and motivate each other into a happy spirit. We want them to be joyful, right? And it's like, I don't know if I can be. There are moments when it's hard to find joy and find, you know, that, that, that moment where, okay, I'm going to rejoice in this. And then you hear the pastor get up. And the pastor's like, hey, rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice. That's what God's word says, right? Or a very devout Christian, somebody that you know, you admire, and they're like, they're such a strong Christian. They're so godly. They might be in charge of your small group, their, your Bible study, or they're just that person. And they're looking at you, and you know you don't want to get around them. Because if you're having a bad day, they're going to say, hey, come on, cheer up. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. And you're like, I don't feel it, though, right? And it's just hard, right? And so as we look and we focus on the word joy today, we're in this Advent series. You can still grab a book out there, by the way. But as we focus on this word, I'm going to share some, some scriptures that it's like, I've heard that verse before. Oh, I've heard that verse before. How does this all fit in? So hopefully as you leave here today, you'll have a different sense of what joy is that God gives us. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, and we're going we're gonna to start in verse 26. A very familiar scripture. It's read, obviously, at Christmas time. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And the angel left her. The angel Gabriel appears to Mary. 
And he says this, he says, he says, greetings favored woman, the Lord is with you. Or highly favored or rejoice highly favored one, the Lord is with you. So the word greetings or hail uh, in Greek is, is kairos, which is basically the same word for rejoice. Rejoice. The angel appears and one of the first things the angel said is rejoice. You are highly favored. You have been chosen and, and God is with you. Three key things. It seems so simple, right? But these words to rejoice probably startled Mary. We, we have no idea what the setting was. We don't know where she was when the angel appeared. We don't know if she was on a walk in a village or at home or getting water. We don't know. But what we do know is she was alone and the angel appeared and gave her this incredible command. It was a command. Rejoice. That's the first thing. Before anything like, hi, I'm Gabriel. It wasn't anything like that. It was just like, hi, I'm an angel. It was Rejoice. I mean, the first thing that comes out, you're highly favored. It's okay. You're a child of God. You're pretty incredible. You're very valuable to God. Oh, by the way, God's with you right now. You're not alone in all this. And when you think about what was said, she needed to hear that because she was facing a predicament. Something in her life is like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? All through the Bible, if you start in the very beginning in Genesis, go through Revelation, you're like, one time after another, you see all these men and women, all the things that they face, tough times, hard times, difficult times, good times. But throughout all these times, they needed something. They needed to know that they were going to be okay. And you'll find the word joy appear there like over 300 different times throughout Scripture. Just like we always hear the phrase, there's more do not fear phrases, like over 360, 370. There's one for every day of the of the, a year. And it's like, there's just about as many times we find the word joy expressed in the Bible as well. And one of the most quoted verses, if you're saying, yeah, yeah, I, I remember there's a verse in the Bible, in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 4, where it says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, or always be full of joy in the Lord. And I'll say it again, rejoice. And it's like, that's the same word that was used 61 years earlier when the angel appeared to Mary, the same word, rejoice. And then Paul, here he is down the road, and Paul's writing the same thing. Now, why pick this verse? Because if you remember two weeks ago, I was talking about Paul and how he was shipwrecked, how he's, he was beaten with rods and how he was whipped numerous times and, and, and he was slept all these, these sleepless nights. He was in prison. All these things that took place. Remember that Second Corinthians chapter? And I, I think at that time I said uh, chapter 12 and it was chapter 11. Maybe it was first service. I did that to them. And they were like, where's this at, right? Going back to that moment, remember Paul? You know where he is when he wrote this letter? He's in prison. He's in Rome in prison, chained to a couple guards. And he's writing to us saying, hey, rejoice. <laughs> hey, again, I'll say it, rejoice. This is awesome, right? It's like, how, how did he do this? Let's, let's back up. Going to the very beginning. Let me read from uh, the Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, where it starts out. He says this, every time... I think of you, I give thanks to my God. See, here's what's happening. The church of Philippi, which he had helped start, here's this church, he's in Rome in prison, and they send him a gift. Because here's if you're in prison back in those days, there's, there's no food plans, there's no, hey, there's wreck time, there's whatever. It's like, no, you're in prison, and if you eat, it's because somebody knows you and they brought food for you. Hope you know somebody. Well, the church of Philippi is like, you know what? 
We've learned through Scripture, reading through Old Testament scrolls, that we're supposed to take care of the messenger. Paul's our messenger. Somebody needs to help him go share the gospel. Somebody helps to need him on his missionary trips. He's the one that, that taught us, so we need to take care of him, just like you did for us as a staff on pastor's appreciation. We appreciate that, what you do for us. So in the same way, the church is like, hey, Paul, we sent you a gift. We don't know what the gift is, but Paul received that gift, and he's like, oh, thank you so much. Verse uh, 5 goes on to say, you've been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the first time until you heard it now. He's like, I recognize that your gift empowers me to go do what I'm doing for the gospel. He goes, I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue to work until it's finished on the day when Christ returns. So it's right that I should feel this way about you. You are a blessing to me. I should be filled with joy. You have a special place in my heart, he says. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in my defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I long for you and how much compassion I have for you through Jesus Christ. So as he's writing this letter, he's letting them know how much he appreciates their gift, and he's filled with joy. And then he goes on to say this, I pray that your love will now overflow. And it'll grow more and more, and, and you'll grow in the knowledge and understanding. I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until Christ returns. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring glory and praise to God. I want you to know, church, man, I love you. Thanks for what you're doing. I want you to overflow now with God's love and His compassion. Because I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that everything that's happened to me here has helped me spread the good news. You all think it's bad that I'm in prison. Church, I want you to know, thank you. It's okay I'm in prison. I'm chained to this guy and this guy, and they keep changing out every, every few hours. Guess what? They're chained to me. They aren't going anywhere. Hey, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. Oh, no, you can't go anywhere because we're right here, buddy. Let me tell you. Oh, I want to tell you about Jesus Christ, too. He had the opportunity to witness to all these guards every day. And he's like, you know, this ain't such a bad situation. You don't think I'm in prison? It's bad. I get to witness to Jesus, for Jesus. Try that next time you're on an airplane. Next time you're on an airplane traveling somewhere and you got a stranger sitting next to you, you lean over and say, hey, I go to church. I love Jesus Christ. Can I tell you about Jesus? They're going to like, stewardess, new seat, new seat. Nobody wants to talk about Jesus around you, right? You might find some people that do that. But Paul's like, you ain't going anywhere. I get to talk to you. I get to spread the good news. He says this, everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. Because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. A couple of verses later, he goes on to say this. So I rejoice. I rejoice and I'm going to continue to praise. Now fast forward to the end of this, of this letter, right? He keeps writing, keeps writing, gets toward the end. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. And he says, what's on the screen? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'm going to say it. Rejoice. He uses this word, I think, 13, 14, some people say 15 times in this letter alone. And we were looking at this and like, so... How is Paul able to rejoice again? I mean, how, how, how is he able to do it? It's like baking a cake, okay? Not that I'm, I know how to bake a cake. I don't. But I've heard. Okay. You mix eggs. You mix sugar. You mix the vanilla, the baking soda, right? Baking soda, not baking powder, right? Okay. And then you put the flour in. But can you imagine doing it without the flour? The, what I want to understand is that the cake won't rise, right? When you're missing that ingredient, it stays flat. It's the same way with Christianity. With you, without joy in our heart, our faith is, is pretty flat at times. Of course, 
we all know this, and that is, I, know, I, I, I get it. Paul went through a lot. He's rejoicing. He's got something in him that's making his, his faith grow, right? But I don't feel like rejoicing right now. Not feeling it. I, I, I'm going through some tough times. I, I'm sure everybody in this room has had dark moments, moments, challenging moments, times when you're like, not feeling the joy today. Not, I, I, I get it. I get it. But here's the thing. That doesn't change the fact that we're commanded to rejoice. Whether you're feeling it or not. You know what? The Bible says, thou shalt not commit murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Yeah, I know that's a command, but I'm not feeling it today. I think I'm going to go do something bad, right? I'm sorry you're not feeling it, but what's the command? I could be, there's moments when it's like, you know what? I don't feel like being honest today. I feel like cheating somebody. There, you might have those moments when there's a temptation or there's something like, yeah, I could be dishonest in this moment. Yesterday we were with our family. All my nephews and grandnephews and, or great nephews and great nieces. I mean, there's kids all over the place. And my mom still, at this point in time, still wants to bless the, the, the littlest kids with, with some money. And so I'm, I'm looking at my, my one great nephew and I was like, hey, what did you get? And he's like, pulls out his envelope and pulls out a $10 bill. And I'm like, whoa, you got a $10 bill. I said, I'll tell you what. I pull, look at my, pull my pocket, I had three shiny quarters. I was like, I'll give you three quarters for that one bill. He's like, deal. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Now, temptation comes in there, right? I can like, hey, you know what? I just walk away on this kid, you know? And, and of course I wouldn't. But you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, maybe I'm not feeling like being honest with him, right? Right away, Jenny's like, Rex. I'm, like, I'm, I'm giving it back to him. She goes, let him keep the quarters. Would you like to keep the coins too? You know, it's like, it's in those moments when it's like, God commands us to do something. I may not be feeling it, but God says, I want you to do it. And by the way, I want you to do a little bit more. And it's like, hmm, okay. So when we get this command here to rejoice, even though I may not be feeling it, you know what? I need to follow it. And, and that's the hallmark. That's the, 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 the mark of a Christian is that people should be able to look at us and say, there's something different about you. You're smiling when you probably shouldn't be smiling. You have something different about you. I can see there's some joy in you. There's happiness. I don't know what it is. But here's the thing. You're different. And, And you know where that happens most often? Probably in the workplace. Probably out in public. Because I think we're pretty good, even when we're not feeling joyful, we can fake it out in public, you know, and we're like, or, or when we, that's where our joy really is. We're really good with people, right? And then we come home and we, oh, man, we get grouchy. It's like, of all places where we should first be joyful is at home, and sometimes that's the last place where we're joyful. And we probably need to work on that a little bit more, right? But here's the thing. Darkness surrounded Paul in prison when he wrote this, and yet he found reason because he knew who Jesus Christ was. He knew what Christ was doing in him. He knew that he was infused with God's Holy Spirit, and it's like, I've got this joy in me and I need to share it with others. And church, I'm commanding you. Now let's remember, even though Paul wrote this, who do these words come from? They come from God. All of God's word is God's word. Different authors wrote it, but it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. So when we're reading these commands, it was like, well, Paul commanded us. No, God commanded us to rejoice. And again, he'll say it, Rejoice. I think it's interesting in the Bible, you know, that's been written thousands of, you know, 
couple thousands of years ago that was and then written, you know, and rewritten and rewritten and, and passed on. And today, what do we do? We go to the library. I need some self-help books. How to be happy. How to find happiness. And it's like, this outdoes all of them. But it's like, but look what's on the shelf. This is something new. No, it's just been repackaged. It looks different. But God's truth is, all, all truth is God's truth, and it's, it's there. Why are we not using that? That's hard, right? You've probably heard the phrase, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad, right? That's from Psalm 118, verse 24. And we sit there and we think, when you woke up this morning, were you saying that? The day God made, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to follow that command. Or did you wake up like, man, God, thank you that I was able to wake up. Um, thank you that I was able to get to the kitchen and without my knees completely cracking and, and making all those weird sounds. And, uh, you know, we all have these things when we wake up and when you got here this morning, we're like, oh, got the church. Or it was like, hey, I'm rejoicing. I'm going to gather with my Christian brothers and sisters. I get to worship God, not by myself, but with a bunch of people. What was the attitude? Is it, this is the day the Lord has made, let us rejoice? Or it's like, Yep, another day. Hope I make it through it. Go back to Luke chapter 1. When you go back to Luke chapter 1, first thing you need to know, church, listen very, very carefully here. First, you need to know who you are in Christ. Please, please understand this. Just as the angel said to Mary, you are the favored one. You are special. I believe God looks at all of us and says, you know what? You have incredible value. I created you with incredible value. You are my child. You are not trash. You are not average. You maybe have been treated wrong, but that is not you. You maybe have messed up, but that is not your identity. Know who you are in Christ. You've been given a new spirit. When we prayed, when we asked Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins, and you placed your faith in God through Jesus, you became his child. When you asked Jesus to come into your life as your Lord, he said, I'm going to give you my very own spirit. At one point in time, our relationship with God was fractured. Sin separated us from God. But praise be to Jesus Christ that he came and he reconciled, he restored that relationship with God. Now with the help of the Holy Spirit, now we are like that fruit tree that we talked about that's planted. We are growing in Christ. And because the Spirit is working through us, it's producing fruit, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness. And one of those fruits that we are developing is joy. Thanks to the Holy Spirit, we have it in us. And it is to be displayed, not hidden. It is internal, busting outward. Happiness is the things that happen out here that make me happy, but those can quickly change. Circumstances change every day. I like my coffee. Oh, I'm happy. Oh, I spilled my coffee. Not happy anymore, right? Joy is internal. Despite what happened with me and my coffee, I can still find joy in life because of what God is doing. Second thing is take our eyes off ourselves and put them back onto God. We all have expectations in life. I think this is probably where a lot of our joy gets squished. Our expectations. When I sit down with a couple uh, for marriage counseling, one of the first things we talk about is expectations in your marriage. Because young couples have these big expectations about this is what marriage is going to be like. Oh, the married life is going woohoo, right? And then two years into the marriage, they're like, uh-uh. And they're frustrated with each other. 
We have expectations for a new vehicle or a toy or, or whatever it might be. And then we get in after a while, like, this wasn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. Or this isn't as nice as what I thought it was going to be. Or like, oh, we're going on a trip somewhere and we want to get there. And when you get there and it's not, what do you expected? And all of a sudden, these expectations can squish us in our emotions. And, and that sometimes we allow that to, to dictate our joy. And it shouldn't. Your mind can't occupy two things at one time. I mean, there's not enough space up there for, to, to handle. It's like either I'm going to be thankful or unthankful. Either I'm going to be selfish or selfless. It, that's sort of the way it works. So it's either this thought's coming in here and I'm just going to complain about what's going on or I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to allow the joy of the Lord work through and I'm just going to usher that out. Because here's the thing, if I've got things up here that I'm thankful for, I'm probably going to be a little bit more joyful. Go home today, get a three-by-five card out, start writing all the things that you are so thankful for. What are you thankful for? Write them down. Family, friends, food, chair, your breathing. There you go. Your health, whatever. You just start listing them down. I, you know one of the things I put down? I would say, I'm thankful for a giving church. Thanks to you and your harvest offering, you gave $53,000 at the harvest offering to help pay off the debt. Thank you. That's very gracious of you. I'm very, I'm very thankful for this church uh, that you show up and you want to worship. Last week I preached about this much on the importance of gathering as a church. Why? For spiritual growth. Spiritual growth. It's not about filling these seats. It isn't. You know, we've had more people attend this church in the last year than we've had in a long time. Somebody said, oh, is your church attendance going down? I said, no, we've, we've had more people attending this church than we've had in a long time. Last week I didn't say that because we need more people here. I'm, I'm more worried about what's in here than what's in that chair. I'm glad you're here but I want you growing in Christ. That was the point I was making last week. And I'm thankful that we have a church that wants to grow in Christ. I'm thankful for the small groups that we have, the Bible studies that we have. Here's the thing. You can't be thinking about your pain in joyful moments at the same time. So what does Paul say? Hey, rejoice. And again, I'll say it, rejoice. A couple verses later, he goes, finally, my brothers, here's what I want you to think on. I want you to focus on what is true, what is noble, what is right. What is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, what is excellent, what is praiseworthy. Think on these things. Because Paul says, you can't rejoice if this up here is, is complaining right now. Get that focus right. Take your eyes off yourself. Here's, here's the thing. Next time you're listening to some Christmas songs, pause and listen to the Christmas songs. I think we get into the, oh, Oh, you started your Christmas music early? Hey, you shouldn't start your Christmas music until then. Oh, I'm listening. And it's like, but do you really listen to the Christmas music? Have you ever sat down and listened to Hark the Herald Angels Sing? It is rich in truth. Let me throw up just part of the lyrics here. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. What an amazing truth. We so easily forget. We're just singing this on hark. You know, it's like pause, pause. Because if you're focusing on this, there should be joy coming out. When you think about the fact that God set aside his glory to come to earth to die for you and I, that should bring joy. To give us second birth, we get to be born again, eternal life. That's another thing to write down on that three by five, three by five, right? I know it's, it's hard to believe, but here's the thing too. When we mess up 
and God convicts us of our sin, there should be joy there. You know why? Because now you have the opportunity to have your life restored. Now you have the opportunity to find forgiveness. There's another scripture that you've probably heard. It's like, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Do you know where that verse comes from? Oh no, but I got it up on my wall. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Well, I've said it before. I've sang it before. But you know where it comes from? From Nehemiah. Nehemiah. And it was when they had found these scrolls. They opened them up and the scribes read them. And all of a sudden they found out this is what God wants us to do. And this is what we're doing over here. In other words, the people in that nation were really messed up. They discovered they were so far from God. It's like, we need to seek God's forgiveness. And they started to weep and they started to cry. And, and then Nehemiah, what we find here in scripture is, he's like, no, 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 no. He goes, I want you to go and celebrate with a feast. Sweet drinks, share gifts of food, and never this. You know why? This is a sacred day because you just got right with Jesus or God at that point in time, right? So getting right with God, all of a sudden there, this, this sin is now wiped out. And guess what? Now the joy of the Lord is my strength. There's joy when we find forgiveness in God. Write that down on your three by five. Jesus prayed for you and I that we would find joy in our life. One of the longest prayers recorded you'll find in, in, in the book of John, uh, in John 15 and John 17. And one of the first things that Jesus prays for, he goes, he goes I'm coming to you, and I've told you these many things with, uh, while I'm with you, but I want you to be filled with joy. He prays that we be filled. It's like a cup of water. Just, you know what? Don't stop when it gets about an inch or two inches from the top. Just let it flow over and just let it pour over. It's like, whoa, whoa, and you're spilling it everywhere. And Jesus is like, that's what I'm praying for. That you will be filled with my joy. It's not the joy of this world. It's not the joy of experiencing something that you've never experienced before. He goes, the joy of Jesus, it's his. He owns it. And he says, I want you to have it. And I want it just to flow out of you. Now, I witnessed this joy this past Wednesday. And here's the thing. I, 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 in 25, 30 minutes, it's like, how do I preach on joy? Because there's so much about it. So, well, here's a couple familiar scriptures that you've heard where the joy of the Lord is used. Paul commands it. Jesus prays it for us. But it's like, once you have it, you know it. And it's inexpressible. It's, it's so hard to, like we said last year, measuring the, the love of God. How do you measure it? It's almost the same thing with joy. So this past Wednesday, church on that three by five, I'm also writing this. Thank you for a church that bought gifts for those with special needs. We had, where's Heather at? <clears throat> How many grand total gifts did we have out there needed? 65. I was almost about ready to say 68, but I thought it was 65. Thank you. 65 gifts, and boom, they were gone in two weeks. I mean, we only had like, like three or four left the second week. They were, most of them were gone the first week, then they were gone the next week. Some of you then gave financially help pay for the food for what was going to take place. And our church became host to 70 guests people with special needs and their caregivers, 12 tables right here in the middle, chairs around, decorations, uh, 10 tables on each side or five and five with rectangle tables for the students that helped and served. They ate as well, but they did all their jobs and then they ate. And, and when the guests came in, did they know what to expect? I don't think so. They were like Mary. Mary didn't know what was going to happen. Angels like, hey, guess, you know, guess what? You're highly favored. You're going to have a baby. What? Right? These people come in and they're like, 
I don't know what's going to, I don't know, did they expect nice decorations? Did they expect the music that they were going to hear? Did they expect a choir, a bell choir up here? Did they expect to play some games and have some fun? Did they expect Santa to show up and give them a gift? Did they expect that these high school and middle school kids were going to serve them food and and waiter them and and take their food and their drinks and help them out? Did they expect it? Probably not. But as I sat back and I watched it unfold, it was one of the most emotional nights I've had in a while. Joy oozed out of this room like you would not believe. I could stand up here and preach for 30 minutes on what joy is, but where I can take a video and show you in four minutes just a glimpse of what we saw. And, and that's what we saw. We saw joy just pouring out of, out of our guests that night as they received gifts and they had so much fun. And, and it, was, it was like when they got a gift, Santa's up here and he calls out, is Dawn here? And, and Dawn would go to raise her hand. But before she could get her hand all the way up, everybody else in the room like, she's there. She's right there. And as everybody's pointing out, get her a gift. I mean, there's so much excitement and joy and cheering for, the, for everybody. And I'm sitting there going, that is so unlike me. That is so unlike a lot of us. I go to a sports banquet and they're up there getting ready to announce who's going to get the coach's award. I'm thinking, it better be my son. Right? We all want that. And when they don't announce it, they announce the mother kid. We're like, good job. But inside, we're like, why wasn't it my kid? Right? We're all that way. Not so with these people. They were like, I got a gift for, for Lisa. She's right over there. They're all excited. It's like, give the gift to her. I don't want it. Doesn't have my name on it, right? I was just blown away by that selflessness. The joy that came out. I, I just need to stop talking about it. And why don't we just watch it? Because I think you'll enjoy it. Um, the joy of the Lord is my strength. But a lot of times, expectations that we have get out of line. Our eyes get on ourselves. And Wednesday night was an incredible night to take our eyes off of ourselves. And to really experience the joy of the Lord. Uh, Thank you, church, for the gifts that you gave for that. Thank you for your donations. Thank you for the many who served and helped. It was an incredible, it was a spectacular night. You know, I I have um, three children and and they are, you know, we'll say sometimes they're like the joy of my life. And I'm proud of their accomplishments. I I love to brag on them. You know, we all do that with our kids, right? And just as a human father takes pride in his kids, your heavenly father takes pride in you. And he looks over each and every one of us and says, I love you. And I have joy in you. And I want you to have my joy as well. But don't keep it to yourself. Give it away. Give it away. As a child of God, I want to encourage you, that inner peace that you have, that inner joy that you have, I want to encourage you as a church, rejoice. Again, I'll say it, rejoice. Would you stand, please? As God's spirit, as his uh, joy lifts your heart from selfishness and sorrow to celebration and thanksgiving and worship, you you will recognize that the joy of the Lord is your strength. It truly is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. I thank you that we could experience that joy on Wednesday night.
I thank you that you've given us so much. I thank you for your son. How he was so selfless, how you were so selfless to to come to this earth in the midst of our darkness and the things that we've imprisoned ourselves with are the temptations that we've given into and the sin that we've given into and this is just like Paul been chained up at times and we just want to be free and I thank you so much for your son Jesus Christ who has come here to free us from our sins to free us from the negativity, to free us from complaining, to free us from our sorrows. God, thank you so much. And in in place of that, you've given us your son so that we can be filled with hope, with love, and with joy. God, today I pray that we listen to your command and rejoice. Help us to rejoice, Lord. You are so good. God, if there's somebody here today that doesn't know you, I pray today they'll say, I want to know you more. I want to place my faith in you, God. Right where they're standing, they can pray that. They can ask for forgiveness. They can ask you to come into their life and help them start a new life. God, thank you for new life. Thank you again today that we were able to celebrate with the Millmans, with Tatum, just that reminder. Life is so precious. And as little children bring joy to our life, I pray, Lord, that we are bringing joy to you and how we live. We love you, Lord. In thy name we pray. Amen.